1: Hello and welcome to the Osher podcast. I'm Osher This is episode 131 of the show with Australian radio industry legend, Craig Bruce. You can find Craig on Twitter at CB underscore Bruce and uh, find his podcast, radiogamechangers.com at radiogamechangers. Strike that, reverse it. Find his podcast, Radio Game Changers, at radiogamechangers.com. This show is brought to you by the wonderful listeners who have pledged money each and every month to help bring this show to air at patreon.com slash osher, P-A-T-E. E P A T R E O N dot com slash O S H E R. Thank you so much. Uh, if you can't donate, please do not. If you can pledge some money, it is extraordinarily appreciated. It goes directly uh, to paying Andy Ma, my producer, to put the shows together. Because quite frankly, if I didn't have Andy, I wouldn't have time to do the show at the moment. Uh, so Please rest assured that the money you are putting on this show makes this show happen so for as little as five bucks a month, you can have access to exclusive episodes There's another one coming very very soon uh and uh the uh, rewards go up from there. so to check in this week, I have been uh, working a lot, which is great because it keeps me busy and distracted and helps me avoid the difficult things in my brain. Uh, slept a lot last night. Nine hours. It was absolutely blissful. Um, but yeah, the week's been heavy in uh, my uh, in my personal life uh, for uh, reasons I can't quite go into because it's not just my story to tell. But there's some really heavy stuff going on in my uh, in my uh, universe, and uh, it's extraordinarily heavy. Um, and I've noticed. I I cope with such things. Oh, hello. I cope with such things uh, by um, just completely shutting down. Just uh, I feel like a hollow shell. Crikey. Come on, man. I'm trying to talk here, computer. Give me a break. I feel like a I feel honestly feel like a like a hollow shell uh, around this kind of emotion. It's almost like the entirety of the inside of my body is gone and there's just like my rib cage and then the skin on the outside. Um, I almost, I almost revert to like automaton, um, status where I'm just going through the motions, but don't have any emotion whatsoever. And, uh, to be honest, yesterday I was uh, <laughs> uh, Audrey was trying to console me and give me a hug, and she said, "What's wrong?" I said, "I just want to feel anything. I just want to feel anything because the having some emotion would help me process what's going on." But I'm just so shut down. I can't, and it's inside me, and I know it's going to come out somehow. Hopefully, I'm not on camera when that happens. <laughs> But I did notice that I've been a bit a bit estranged from my uh, spiritual connection this week. They say that religion is for people who believe in hell. Spirituality is for folks who've been there. Uh, so I, I'm a bit disconnected from my higher power, as it were. Um, but um, I keep a couple of emergency things in my phone just to read if things get a bit tricky. And uh, it's surprising how quickly reading a little something in your phone can ground you. But I might have to do something about reconnecting to that because I know my life's better when I am connected to something that's bigger than me, so I'm going to have to sort that out. But let me tell you about my guest today. Craig Bruce is one of the most iconic names in a, in the Australian radio industry. For over 20 years, he has worked in the company which is now Southern Cross Austereo, first As an announcer, then as an assistant program director, and he rose and rose and rose eventually to the role of group content director, which is a massive role. And it means that he is in charge of everything and everyone that you hear on air over the entire network that isn't a newsreader or a commercial. His reputation for actually, no, he probably, yeah, he probably does make a call on a newsreader, strike that. But Craig's reputation for spotting new talent and developing new talent is beyond par, most notably his development and then anointing of Kyle Sanderlands as the Sydney Breakfast Radio anchor at Two Day FM in, uh, I think it was 2004 now. Craig has played a really important role in my career as well. He was at the first station I ever worked out. He'd drop knowledge on me every now and then, and then he was a part of bringing me to SAFM in Adelaide for uh, me breaking out and actually doing radio when the sun came up. Craig's got a new podcast, which is available at radiogamechangers.com, where he speaks with those in the industry that have truly disrupted and changed how the business of radio works. If you want some inspiration, listen to the Eddie McGuire episode. It's nuts. But Craig is the first person that I called when I wanted to get back on air in 2016. Uh, He played a huge role in getting me the gig at Hit 105 in Brisbane, and... um, that even though he'd had left left the company by the time that a lot of the deal was being done, he uh, really opened the door for me to get into that gig. But I've known Craig for the better part of oh, 22 years and yet during this conversation I found out things about him that I did not know and I really I have to thank him for his candour and openness to bring up some very, very personal moments in his life and I've got to thank him for that because I believe that hearing another's story about a similar situation to your own can really help you feel less alone and help you deal with things. So I'm sure there are people that are going through or have gone through a similar situation as Craig has. And I I certainly hope that his story helps you out today. But uh, whether you're a, a radio nerd like myself or wanting to get into radio or broadcasting as it were, um, this is an absolute cracker. He's got a wealth of knowledge. He's a lovely bloke, and I've got to thank you for listening to this show because without you I couldn't make this show, and I love making this show. And uh, Craig is the reason, one of the reasons that I, I get to make this show because he helped me start in broadcasting, which is something I absolutely love. So uh,
2: enjoy this conversation with Craig Bruce. Thanks for coming over, Craig. Mate, this dog is – thank you, Osha. Um, I've got three – Cavoodles, and you've got one that's seventeen weeks old. Yeah. and this is a stunning piece of work, mate. He's a good lad, isn't he? Ah! Absolutely gorgeous. So, if you hear the clink clink of the dog collar as we talk, you know what's going on. Oh, people hear all kinds of things. I'm also
1: expecting Audrey and, and uh, Gigi. Oh, nice home. family. Yeah, yeah. so they'll be coming home at some
2: point. So, who's who's interviewing whom? Are you talking to me or am I? Yeah, I, I'm I, asking you, you can ask me whatever you want. We're just having you a going? conversation. one five. It's actually really good.
1: Um, It I'll explain in the intro how we know each other, but it is truly profound to, and I must thank you for all the groundwork you laid for helping me get that gig, and I know you and I talked a long time about that. Um, It was truly profound. I flew up there for the um, announcement. Yep. They filled the boardroom in the back there at Hit 105 with- uh, Roses? No, No. with with everybody, Yep. with the whole station. They didn't know who the new breakfast person was. And then they announced me and I walked in. Oh, it's fine. Don't worry and about. you broke a glass No, no. walked know. in. Yep. They announced me I walked in and um, as I had a, a bit of a chat, I walked off the little stagey stage they have there and um, let's pop it on that. It'll be less, yep. uh, noisy. less noisy. And there was Jamie Dunn oh, standing wow. on the side of the stage. Wow. He does a uh, he does a pre-recorded show for Triple M on the weekends. Yeah, on Saturday there. and Sunday mornings. Yeah. And I turn around and I was like, Jamie. And I gave him this big hug. Yeah, yeah. He says, it took you fucking long enough, but you finally got my job. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> wow.
1: Because I, as you know, used to uh, sit there at four in the morning and Jamie would be the first one in. Yep. And Jamie would sit there and strum a guitar and wait for Skippen to arrive and just drop some wisdom on me and yep.
2: tell me war stories. And He's pretty generous with his time and with his um, intellect, wasn't he? You know, he's yeah, shared his... He, shared his he, really, really, he really,
1: really did. And so that... To be doing the breakfast shift. Oh, a great shift. Yeah. It was. To be doing the breakfast yeah. shift at the station I started at yep. is amazing. Yeah. And it's a really great team. Mm. And you know as well as I do, it's the most intimate uh, that I know of. Yep. Next to Space Capsule, the most intimate job you can have. Yeah, with is. another person of a equally large personality. Mm, yep. All right? Because mm. if you are a big personality in one way, you're going to be in the room with a big personality in the other way. And that's just how it is because that makes great radio. Mm. And you're stuck in that room where you can smell each other's breath and deodorant for hours at a time. So that Abby and Stav were kind enough to allow me into that is huge. Yeah. You know, it's
2: absolutely huge. The, I reckon, um, would you have been ready for it 10 years ago? God, no. No. No, no, no. The thing, I, it was funny, I was talking to someone today, um, James Manning from Media Week. And he asked me about Hit 105 and, and uh, yeah, what kind of influence do you think Osh has had on the breakfast show? And I said, well, you know, a lot of people don't know uh, or may not be aware. And it, I, I noticed it again over the Christmas period on Tuesday. I mean, you're brilliant on the radio. Thank you. <laughs> no, you are. You have always have been. You know, I'm sure we'll talk about it. But, the, you know, those days at uh, SAFM, 1999 it may have been. I think yeah, you were know, there three yeah. whirlwind well, months and back out again. But, <laughs> um, and, and before that, obviously, at B105 when you were doing whatever you were doing um, – you know, late nights and weekends and those sorts of things, um, the, uh, you know, you've just got a really, really good sense of it. And, and you don't always get that, you know, you, with what you do on TV, there are cue cards and there are, you know, mm. beats you need to hit. But it's a job. It, yeah, sure. It's a job. I walk in and I deliver
1: the business when yep. I'm in that rose room. Yep. I don't go in there and say, hey, did you know they can make electricity out of urine now? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Can you believe that? Yep. yep. Which is what we talked about the other day. Yeah, right. Which was great. Early or Late. Was that, a, was that a 720 spot or was that a six? Uh, it was an spot? 820. Oh, was at an 820. Oh, okay. I did, it at Jeez, 820. did You did well to get that away at 820. How'd you go with calls? You get any calls off the back? Uh, oh. No, it was just a rave, mate. Okay. I was just, bringing just a up, rave. Just
1: bringing the magic. Wow. But uh, the thing is, uh, you know, we may as well, I'll just give you this quick drop now and then we'll go back for a sec. But it has been my first real experience. Um, it's probably, I'm going to say, it's been the. The best experience I've had with each of us occupying our own space of the spectrum yep. since I worked with James. Yep. I n- have just absolute full confidence. And now when I'm putting raves together and I'm putting phone ideas together, I know I don't have to worry about the end bit. Mm. Because all this is so much raw material. Yep. Stab's gonna get us. Yeah. Yep. He's gonna get us to that jingle. He's gonna get us to that sweeper. Yep. And it's gonna be hilarious. Yep. And I know that this, this, and this. We'll get Abby to say blah, 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 blah. Yep. You know, I'm just starting to – it's taking a while, obviously, but mm. I'm starting to learn how to set them up.
2: But you know what? That's, that's also innate and um – um and it's quite unique to you. I remember, and I, I say it often, one of the things I learned as a, a new programmer coming through, I think I was assistant content director at SAFM when you were there, um, and, I, and I, I don't remember a lot. My memory is shot for no good <laughs> Dude, reason. I don't know. I, don't I have know a good reason. Thought, we'll oh, get no, to no, that. Seriously. No, <laughs> it's none of that. But, but my, um, I remember uh, James and Amanda had just started. Yeah, The Breakfast Show. Yeah. Yep. You'd just arrived. Uh, James and Amanda had just kind of clicked. And... They had that battle of the sexes, yin and yang, male female thing, which was of the time. Yeah. Probably less kind of might not have worked uh, as well today. But you know, it was he would say something and she'd bite back, and before she'd, you know, had kind of worked out what she'd said, she'd said something really good, and he'd off he'd go sort of thing. And I remember you saying to me that, that that's the if the audience is saying they like that, just go and find as much of that content as you can, put it in a promo, and away we go. <laughs> Didn't get it word for word, but it was <laughs> along those lines. Of, well, the, the, and the audience was—they were saying, "Oh, we just love it when I, uh, Amanda and James get stuck into each other." So they, I remember but, that moment. we were sitting in Studio it, One. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, had yeah, a whiteboard. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, go and just grab as much of that content. And and um, and that's the first thing I look for with any show now is just, okay, where, where's the where is the magic going to come from? Where's the where are those moments? And then let's mm. work. It what's doesn't the, need to be the only thing in the act, but what's at the heart of it? And then build from there. Yeah. So the fact that you're you know, three months back into it, and it, and it was an established show. But yeah. you're already thinking, you've already got that awareness around what Stav can do and what Abby can bring. It's it's not it's not usual. It's not normal. Well, thank that's, you that's for good. saying
1: that. It's a it's a big deal to hear from you. Yeah. yeah. Um. I didn't know much about you when I got to uh, B105. It was 1994.
2: Oh, okay. sound of <laughs> my dog digging up pot plants. <laughs> oh. If it's this, my, was that my phone? Yeah, your kind of yeah, why was that? Someone's died or something. Hang on one second. Do you just
1: try stop No, no, no. We just keep rolling. We keep rolling as, as, as Craig runs around the living room, his, his phone screen's shouting 50,000 things at him. He's just ascertaining if he needs to answer any emergencies. Frank is now biting him on the arse. <laughs> what are you doing, Frankie? What are you doing, buddy? Done. You don't even know. <laughs>
2: That's
1: all right. So I got to I got to hit 105, a uh, B105. Yep. As it was then. Yep, I still do. And that. it was three four years after they'd launched. Yep. Yeah. And they'd just changed format. From oh, nothing no. but great rock and roll <laughs> to <laughs> better music variety of the <laughs> 70s, 80s and 90s. Yep. And you had this.
2: All I remember is you had you had amazing hair and extremely expensive <laughs> jeans. I had good hair there for a while, and and that was a tragedy for me. Um, yeah, so I had just come back from if it was nineteen ninety four. I'd just come back from um, Fox in Melbourne where I'd, I'd done the breakfast show with Michael Veach and um, Matt Tilley was writing. Um, we had they, they called it the uh, uh, the bake the great Bake Off. Um, they had this combination of people. It was sort of one of these. It was. Uh, after the degeneration and breakfast shows were sort of um, these ensemble casts, mm. this is what Fox was trying to do. So. Well, de- the
1: degeneration was like kind of our, almost like
2: our SNL, uh, it it totally and, around and, and that, yeah, and, and it really did drive uh, you know a, a, a new way forward in terms of comedy on these radio people are all now
1: working dog, exactly. Yeah.
2: So Michael Veach, uh, Peter Moon. Um, you know, Matt Tilly was writing, we had another writer uh, Grubby, Dee, Dee and, and and they had all of that and they needed an anchor so um, Rob McCasker came down for a week to trial and then I came down the week after that to trial so it was the Great Bake Off you know, the two sort of announcers that were, I, I guess, you know good music announcers and let's see if they can so I won the Great Bake Off and I was in Melbourne for nine months doing the breakfast show and uh, oh, look, it's a long story, I guess I've got a podcast it's, um so I finished up we had uh we had a uh, um, my first wife and I had a baby uh on March the 1st 1993 uh and he was born with down syndrome and we we weren't married at the time I was 25 and she was 26 and um you know we'd we'd been struggling leading up to that uh and um so we um we had him adopted and um and then, about a month afterwards um, the they <laughs> they called me into the station and said, "Look you know the, the anchor thing's not working um, send you back to Brisbane so um, I stay in touch Jake his name is Jake Thomas brilliant kid amazing Or no he's not a kid he's 23 now he's awesome and he's got a beautiful family and he's got the family tree on his wall and there's myself and Melinda and you know keeps in contact with all of his sisters and those sorts of things and um, so in 1994, when I came back to Brisbane, that that would have I wasn't in a great headspace. I don't think at that point trying to get my head around what we'd done, and we'd, in hindsight, and it's always easy to look back in hindsight, we'd absolutely done the right thing for him because he's had this beautiful, amazing life, and we just were nowhere near ready for um, for all of the the challenges that come with um, with with you know giving. People like Jake, what they need. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's 1994. I was I was. My sure, head I, been I had been th- at a million miles. Absolutely life. no idea. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and look, you know, I had a few years where, <clears throat> quite a few years where I didn't see him. I'm really good at compartmentalising my life. Anything that I don't either can't deal with or don't want to deal with, I'll put it in a really neat box and <laughs> bow it up and and uh, and it would have been a few years and and my youngest sorry my middle daughter meg i guess it must have been seven or eight years ago um asked about jake and and said you know when can we you know let's let's go and meet him and see him and we organized a a catch-up and you know thankfully his family were just always open to being ready for me dealing with you know my own issues with it and um you know, since then it's been fantastic. Yeah. Even before that it was, you know, he, he's always been, uh, you know, an amazingly well-supported um, uh, um, person. But, but, you know, we folded back in and thankfully they allowed us back in and we, um, you know, he's just an amazing kid. You know, dances, sings, he's coming over for... My daughter's 21st in a couple of weeks from now and, you you know, you just know he's going to hog the the dance floor with his Michael Jackson moves and whatever and we were back there for his 21st a couple of months ago or a couple of years ago now. Um, But, yeah, it was... um, So that was a really, really tough time because I reckon it was even less than a month after Jake was born um, I I, I got the boot out of the show. And, and, you know, rightly so. They they had... It was a comedy show. They didn't need an anchor and they kind of moved forward. But, yeah, it was an interesting time. Can you... Are you, are you okay to talk about the what it was to like to lead up to that decision? Because I've never met someone who well, faced that. Yeah, it's a um, it was we had um, we had no idea. You know, it's a one in. It's not a one. Did in – Did you know you end. were pregnant? <laughs> we we. Uh, we didn't have to do any tests because, you know, Melinda was 26 and they don't do any of those sorts of tests leading up to, um, uh, you know, the, the the birth. You're talking uh,
1: screening screening,
2: cases. Screening for Down syndrome and those yeah. sorts of things. So Jake was born um, and we had, when he was born, one of the doctors said, just a little bit worried about the... Um, Uh, the shape of his eyes or i can't remember the exact wording but i mean i wasn't really didn't really it didn't register as being anything other than oh okay uh and we i remember yeah they they walked in the next day and did a few tests and moved his arms and moved his checked his neck and did a few things and you know just looked at us in the face and said yeah he's got down syndrome oh okay (laughs) wow um, Did you know what that meant? Well, we didn't. We didn't at that point. So we kind of oscillated between, "Wow, come on, let's do it," and 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 oh, this is going to be really hard. And the, the hospital said, "Why don't you?" There's a there's a you know there's a couple of families that have gone through this recently, and would you like to meet them and meet meet their their oh, children? And great. so that's... they brought them in, and we just uh, you know we just thought, oh, "Shit, this is I don't know whether we can do this." So it was really. Um, you know it took us all of a a, a a fair period of time to make a decision and um you, you know you never feel very good at all about obviously about making the decision but as I said we would we were lucky and Jake was lucky that he he um He ended up with an amazing family. He's got a a sister who has Down syndrome, but a really large family. They live out at Gembrook in um, the Melbourne suburbs. Older sister? uh, She is older, yes. Tanya is a couple of years older than him. And then then he's got a bunch of older brothers and sisters. And, you know, he's just the centre of their world. Uh, And, uh, you know, you knew me at 25, 26. I was too selfish and self-absorbed and just not ready for any of that. And I could have done it, you know, in hindsight, I probably could have. We probably both could have. I'm not sure that, you know, we didn't, as a couple, we didn't last much longer than that. Uh, I don't know you know, I think how we. A well, how we could. sort of, yeah, we did after about a year or so. We, we actually had a child, and then, uh, but, you know, it was, it was always going to be a bit of a struggle. And, and look, anyone in their 20s, you know what you were like in your 20s and what you like now. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Um, we. Um, it was just one of those things that you kind of have to go through, and it's going to knock you around some, though. Yeah, it did. As I said, you kind of deal with it, and I dealt with it, and then I had to. And in a lot of ways, you know, moving back to Brisbane and back to people that I knew and doing a job that I was comfortable with was was yeah. um, better for me than being in Melbourne around around um, around it. I yeah, guess. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard for everyone. Working on the show, I remember Peter Moon being really visibly shaken and and distraught, Um, not not just about Jake but about me leaving and not because we were really close. I just think he knew that, God, that's a big one-two punch to go through uh, at a young age. But, um, yeah, you kind of get back up and get on with it.
1: And what do you think that adversity ultimately did for you?
2: Well, it wasn't – it was adversity. Um, I guess it um, – up until that point, I'd never really had anything in my life go wrong. Like I just never uh, – in a weird way, I, it was probably the moment where I felt like, right, I'm, I'm, I'm in this now and anything could happen to me. I just kind of just assumed – had always assumed that nothing – that the shit that happens to other people just happens to other people and um, I get to kind of avoid all of that. So when it happened, it, it was in a weird way, um, okay, this is a really – this is an interesting moment and how do I deal with it? And, and then I kind of had to try and uh, process it in that way, which was, hey, it's life and sometimes you get thrown some curveballs ball, curve and, um, you know, no one can understand what it's like until you are in that situation, you know, and it's a – hey. Great phone topic, but it's it's but it's real. It's um, what would you do if you were in that situation? There would be people that would be thinking, "Wow, that's really poor form, Craig." And others might go, "Fuck, I totally get that." And it's just it is what it is, and you do it when you make the make the decisions. Did it change? Did
1: it change the way you you looked at opportunities? Going you?
2: Um, well, I'd kind of put a lot of opportunities on hold um, because I just was um, so immature and so self-absorbed. Um, Back then, Um, you know, I was offered the Canberra FM um, PD role, the one that Jeff Alice um, was given. Uh, That's the program
1: director. Program director, the the guy that's in charge of all of the creative stuff that happens on air. While you're the anchor, not the sales, not the not the marketing. So I
2: I was 23 and maybe younger, 23, 24, and offered that job. And um, and then Jeff Alice, who was a contemporary, same age, and a and a mate. Um, eventually took the job and went on to be head of content. And here's me 10 years later, still kind of finding my way. Um, so I, but I just wasn't ready for any of it. I, I didn't understand the opportunity. And, and people like Greg Smith, who was a, Greg's a, you know, just a doyen of the business. And, First
1: voice on Australian FM radio? Uh,
2: Paul Thompson, Paul Thompson. Who, uh, was on, well, Eagle. Uh, Paul Thompson was first on uh, on SAFM. Yeah, but certainly Greg was right there at yeah. the heart of, you know, the start of FM. Yeah. You know, in, in a way, he 's a job in Canberra, he 's the content director role, is in lots of ways, um, the unspoken commentary around that is, I'm going to mentor you and help you because I think you can be really good. And I, I was too stupid to understand that that's what he was doing. Um, and so... You know, I had a few more years on the air and, you know, I eventually got to a point where, I, you know, and it was around that time when you came to Adelaide, I think i just moved off the air into an assistant content role and maybe just still doing a shift. But, you know, I was 30 and had wasted so many years, you know, my 30th year. So 1997, um, divorced, um, dog died um, and I got taken off breakfast and it was and I was taken off breakfast, and I'm thinking, "I don't have any skills here. I don't know a single thing other than being on the radio, and even then I wasn't trying particularly hard. So I just kind of goofed around for so many years uh, and And Jeff Alice, about six months after I'd kind of been floating in the wilderness, sort of said to me, "Look, I think you can be a programmer, I think you know enough about content, and if you if you if you really commit to it, I'll back you in." Um, and that that was the moment where everything changed. Uh, up until that point, I don't think I'd really had a sense of okay, um, I'm not am not going to get a free ride forever. I'm going to have to work hard. But then I sort of started to get my act together, and you know, one thing leads to another. Where did? But I had that support, and that was really important.
1: From me. where did it start? Where was your Where was your radio? Number one. Where was the first time
2: you turned on a mic? Do you uh, Yeah, Port Augusta. Um, this is Tomorrow, Brian Ferry was my first song. And um, it would have been 1980, December 1985, 86. December 1985. How old were you? So I was 18. 18. Yep. Port Augusta is in that spiky bit of yeah, the yeah, Great yeah, Australian Bite. Yeah, the, uh, iron, iron Triangle. There you go. Yeah, so it's... A lot of mining. Yeah, that's it. while at one end and Port Piri and Port Augusta's at the top. So I was there for 12 months. Did you move out there for the gig? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so from I, where? Yeah, more from, well, from Adelaide. Right. I, I was living, you know, living in Adelaide with my folks and working in a bank, and always wanted to be on the air. Um, always wanted to do radio. Got this job in Port Augusta. How did you send out a tape? Yep, sent out tapes to so parks. What, uh, of,
1: what of what? Like, of you like on your? Well,
2: well I, okay, yeah. So I was I was going to um, a Vaughan Harvey's School of Radio. Vaughan Harvey's this radio legend in South Australia passed away in the last couple of years, um, and he had this radio school, and you would go there. It was in an office in the city and you'd, you'd practice live reads, you'd do some, you know, practice back announcers. But it, I, I'd, similar to this situation, I would be at home um, with a microphone, with my headphones, I'd, I'd take um, newspaper clippings and read them as commercials. I'd, I'd grab a bunch of songs and pretend I was back announcing them and I, I'd just sit in the lounge room practicing that kind of thing. Um, so I got a job offer at Parks, 2PK Parks and one in Port Augusta and I thought, okay, well, it's three hours up the road, I'll, I'll go there. So I was there for 12 months and then, I, uh, and then I sent some tapes out, some air checks and, and got a reply from Lee Simon uh, at Eon FM. And my first day on the As air… As in Melbourne? Eon FM in yeah. Melbourne. And my first day on the air was Gavin Wood and Molly Meldrum's last day on Eon Breakfast. Wow. Um, so, yeah, because I'd, I'd done mid-dawns the night before so I'm finishing at 10 to 6 and this smell of… Um, what's that Greek aftershave that they all wear? The, uh Is it is something? os? And in, in walks Gavin Wood with the shiny tracksuit pants and 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 just. And Kings adds, of C-Cantor was still on air. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, and uh, walked in. I think he probably still had his sunglasses on. And and um, just thinking, my God, look at this. I mean, here I am. So anyway, so that was their last day on the radio, and and uh, and then. And then, yeah, I had three or four years at Eon FM and moved on from there. Right.
1: Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, if we could put a finger. Could you point out anyone who's on air right now? Yes. That didn't. That that. How, how do I put this? It's like. Who got their job by not using station equipment and station tapes and station stationery to send all the tapes out? Oh yeah, it just didn't happen.
2: No, no <laughs> it's no. like I'm just standing back like yeah, today.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm just doing a bit, of, just, a bit, just of
2: prep. A bit of prep, prep, yeah, a bit of practice. <laughs> oh, and you know, furiously dubbing. Absolutely. And, and you'd wait three weeks for a reply. You'd send it off, fingers crossed. And you know. I made
1: my Channel V demo tape. I dubbed it on those SAFM VHS boardroom. No, did you? For VHS machine in the boardroom. <laughs>
2: I think I knew from the day you started. I thought, oh, this bloke's not long for a year. I mean, I, you know, we're good mates, but I knew you weren't going to be around for long. But anyway, so, um, yeah, no, that, well, that's how it worked. You kind of yeah. sent your tape out, hope for the best. Yeah. And uh, wait for a reply. I think I got a reply from Charlie Fox as well and one from Lee Simon. And, and uh, yeah, he was Lee was amazing. He was such a great mentor. Well,
1: I do remember that when I did start at in mid-dawns at one,
2: B105. Yeah, I was I do just that. so in condition. Yeah, I do that. Of course, give me a B. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, old habits. I, uh,
1: yeah, my dog is the dog from the cartoon <laughs> with a slipper. That's what's happening right now. Um, I remember when I started there, you taught me. I've, I've quoted you saying this on this show. Oh, God. I've quoted you saying this on this show 20 times. Yep. All right. And I think I was taking over from you on a weekend or something, uh, which is uh, basically, this is in the, this is the old times, <clears throat> I walk in with a stack of CDs for a six-hour shift, which is about two and a half feet high. <laughs> or left, or more, or brought them in two chunks and I put them on the <laughs> counter and I put all my prep down, all my notes and everything and you were just kind of wrapping up your last break and then you, you uh, hit the top of the hour ad break and you turned to me and you said, just remember, if your heart doesn't race, every time you're about to turn the microphone button on, get out of the chair and let someone else in there.
2: Wow, did I say that? You did I? Said I? that's that. quite profound, isn't you it? You said that
1: to me. Yeah. And I was like 96 or 97. Oh, okay. Think wow. Wow. And I have never, ever forgotten wow. that. And I, it has been the benchmark. as why I left Channel V. Oh, really? Yeah, I left Channel yeah. V because I'm like someone like else right? deserves yeah. to be here because yeah. I don't love this enough. Mm. I don't love this enough to stay. And it's, a, it's not fair that I take their money because someone who will, whose heart will burst if they don't get this job yeah.
2: should be doing this. Not yeah, me. it feels that way from an on-air perspective that – you've got to and you know when it's done with on air particularly with music shifts i mean it's you know breakfast is a different beast altogether, but you know when you're done with breakfast with music you kind of just if you're turning up and you know the feet are on the desk, three songs in, and you're counting down the hours and it's just a waste of everyone's time and and you know music radio then was different to music radio now, not harder or easier, but it just was i mean you were more at the center of it, I think, yeah, in different ways but um yeah, it was. I mean, you know, it always struck me as being the greatest job of all time. Even when I was a, a lazy and a, and a, just a dumb twenty year old kind of you know doing what I could to cut corners, I, I still appreciated the fact that it was a, an amazing an amazing job. Um, and uh, yeah, there was always that buzz of being in the studio. And and I mean, B one hundred five was an incredible station when you think about it. You know, Jamie Dunn, Jamie Dun, Jamie Angel. Um, you know, Rex Morris, Paul Davies, you know, David Reimer. I mean, just so many good people went through that place. It's just Sandalands. extraordinary. Carl Sandilands, uh, yeah. Brian Ford, Brad March really set it up. It yeah. was an m- unbelievable place. And um, you felt it the moment you walked in.
1: Yeah. And uh, I think what was really interesting for me was I learned how to do what I do at that station. Mm-hmm. And I left there 48 surveys in a row at number one. Oh really? Yeah. So I remember counting it, but I found it very, very interesting because I remember getting to SAFM. I was like, "Why is it so different?" Here? Yep. Because I'd learned to do what I do, and how it all works, never resting on laurels. Yeah. Going, okay, that was the last book. Yep. How can we? We're still on, the, like, the whole new world. Mm. Let's go. Second book, next book, next year, next season, next survey. You know, and that. That kind of what's next, how can we make it better, how can we constantly reinvent it? Um, th- all the three program directors that I worked under always had that.
2: Yeah, know. and I think the thing with culture and when you have that level of expectation that's set from the top um, and, you know, for B105 it was set up by Brad um, you kind of you, you set off a bomb and then you've got this afterflow effect of of people coming into the building and understanding what's expected and it, and it lasts for a long period of time. Brian Ford did it at Fox, where the Fox is still an incredible radio.
0: Life is full of what- ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or SleepNumber.com.
2: ...station because culturally he, he set it up in a way that there's these, you know, radioactive, you know, cultural waves that continue to sort of flow through the place. Um, and and Adelaide probably didn't have that to that level at uh, that Brisbane did um yeah and what it forces you to do is just to you've got to be your best every yeah. single day and you can feel it when you walk into a station that has that you really can I even re- today you can I mean different times and different approaches but yeah you know the the people at the top set that that level of of um of expectations. there's two things I remember about my first day
1: at SAFM I rode my skateboard there <laughs> through the park yep to go and say hi to you yep. and it was like, here we are, we're doing it. You've got to shift in the daytime and I was so excited. Yep. Actually, let me say there's three things. And a lot of people asked me how this name came about and you said, well, what do you want to be called on air? Oh, okay. And I said, well, my nickname up to that point had been Spidey. Yep. And I was like, well, I don't want to be Spidey anymore.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And he said, well, what's your last name? I said, it's Andrew Ginsburg. And you went, oh, Adelaide. <laughs> Did I? How about Andrew G? <laughs> the in- the Sorry inhalation through the clenched teeth. No, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, Ginsburg. <Ooh. laughs>
2: Oh, it stuck too, didn't it? It stuck or,
1: like, oh, yeah. mate. Sorry about you, that. No, 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 don't be sorry at all.
2: <laughs> you know, you've, you've named that many on-air people. You've got a knack for it. Oh, no, I don't really. I'm not very good at it at all, to be honest, but I just thought it needed it needed a presence, Yeah, you know. And, uh, hey, look, um, it didn't matter in the end. You would have been okay regardless. But then you but,
1: said... Uh, um
2: I hate it when people remember what I say. No, no. Don't worry. It's all good.
1: It's all good. Then he said, I don't know. I'll call you a cab. Don't ride your skateboard back through the park at night time. Yeah, well, there's that. On my second day when I came in for my first day on air, uh, I remember writing a promo. I was very excited to write promos. enjoyed yeah. writing promos very, very much.
2: You were brilliant at it too. Well, thank you for saying so. Um, was it the secret sound promo where you talked about the money tree? Yep, that's the one. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. I told you I have I'm the worst memory, but I remember that promo <laughs> like it was yesterday. <laughs> The Um, cops complained about that one. uh, It was so brilliant. (laughs) So what it was, the kind of, uh, the premise was that, you know, we have a money tree.
1: Yes, we actually have one. Yeah. And the tag was, because at the time, marijuana was decriminalised in South Australia. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember calling up, I'm such a cheeky fucker, uh, I remember calling up and saying, look, I just want to confirm, how many, am I allowed to have up to nine plants? Yep. Yeah, you are, that's a lot. Thank. I called the cops to ask them
2: (laughs) from the station. Yep. Did you get a request at the time?
1: Uh, no, oh. but the, um, the, the tag for the promo was, um, you know, if you want to win SAFM's Secret Sound and get access to the money tree, although legally we're only allowed to have nine plants, call now. Yeah. <laughs> and it was that tag yep. that got us into a lot of trouble. Yep. <laughs> it was fun. Um, but I remember that I was writing promos and it was 10 to 5. Yep. I was writing promos, writing promos, looking around the office. 10 to 5. No one's there. <laughs> five after five five after five everyone was gone yeah and that was like oh right Mm. and that for me was went in in the opposite direction to what you taught me Mm. in Brisbane was like well you're not here because you're here because it's just a check yeah yeah you're not here because it's a freaking
2: privilege to yeah. be invited to accompany people to their yeah. workplace yeah. in the
1: morning in their car. But you had a
2: huge impact in Adelaide, and well, and, no, and for thank a lot of, you. no, you know, well, you did. Hey, I can remember two things that you've done from 12 years ago, and I can't <laughs> remember anything from. Two, the third thing I remember from all of those years ago, and and because it's etched in my memory, 17 and I'm sure years ago. Yeah, so there you go, 17 years. I'm better than I thought I was with with memory, the um, was your performance at Sky Show in Adelaide, <laughs> hey? so 80,000 people. Yeah, so the, was it the Road Traders? I can't remember who it was. Oh, it may was. have been in vertigo. It, 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 it really didn't matter, the bands. But um, for, for people listening, uh, Osh has taken the stage and just absolutely... Put a stake in the ground and gone, oh, this is mine. And I, I don't know, you know, it was like um, whatever happened at Foxtel for the next five or six years with all of those big day outs. That yeah. was the practice run, by it, the look of it. This yeah. guy, you absolutely dominated that day. It was the most extraordinary thing. And I'm watching <laughs> yeah. you going, I'm, I'm watching you thinking, wow, this is amazing. I'm really happy for you. And then I'm going, ah, oh, this bloke's going to be gone in about a month. We're going to lose him. <laughs> uh it was just so it was brilliant
1: <laughs> it was fun it was a lot of fun that was to be given the opportunity to stand in front of eighty thousand people yeah yeah uh for, i don't know five hours i think well MC that's the thing i
2: mean sky show still happens in canberra but in in adelaide it was the, an institution it's a big we, fireworks we, yeah night, yeah and and set to music and um we would have um bands coming from interstate um to play on yeah. on the stage in the the, the 80,000 people were, were at the um, – behind the stage and 80,000 deep as you walk out onto the stage and the first time you see the, the audience is when you walk out – as an artist is when you walk out onto the stage. And I remember the Road Traders doing it in, I don't know, maybe, maybe 2001, one of our last ones. And, and you know, you kind of prep them beforehand and go there's a lot of people. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of people, whatever. And and, and then you – they walk out there and they see it. It looks like something out of Rio or whatever. Yeah, it was just extraordinary, yeah. People, yeah. So that was the thing that – a- A- SAFM ha- had done for you know pretty well twenty years. At yeah. the start of every year, they launched the radio station anew every every yeah. twelve months. You know, here's all of the things we do on the radio. Here's our breakfast show. Here's our music position, and and it's all wrapped up in this amazing free event for yeah. the entire city to come along. And you know, you get two hundred thousand people there. So as an and event, it was one of those extraordinary yeah, uh, opportunities. Fun. So yeah, that was that that was amazing that day. It was, yeah, it was really super really good. I- yeah, I, you're
1: absolutely right. I did, I did have that moment and go, oh, "This is
2: kind of fun." Yeah, I'm thinking. I like having a microphone in front of this yeah, many people. This know. is good. No, it was like, man, he's got something going on here. This is not right. And then, and then
1: about oh, about six weeks later, I told you I'm leaving. I'm going to
2: Channel V. Yeah. Do you remember what you did? <sighs> no, I can't remember that. What did I do? Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, uh, you yeah, you better tell me. You kicked me in the shins. I uh, did I. Not violently. It would have been just a, come on, mate, what are you doing? It was like
1: a, like it was enough to hurt. Oh, really? It was enough to hurt.
2: Well, I was genuinely disappointed, I, <laughs> I, you know, I I was genuinely disappointed. But I was disappointed from a radio perspective and that's one of the reasons why I was so pleased when you called, you know, whenever it was this time last year and said, look, I'm, I'm you know, moving back here and I'm thinking of getting back into it because I, you know, as I said, you were, you were always just um, more so than TV in my opinion. You're really suited to the radio. You've got to... Um, and you, you know even you your, your, your paneling skills and your technical skills are brilliant they're are, they're Thanks, very man. and you know sure you you learn I lost a, it. a lot at uh, maybe lost it now. but hey you should learn them again it's worth no you should I'm not, I'm being serious it's um you know, you think about what Kyle Sanderlands does, and I'm sure Jonesy is the same. When Jonesy got, doesn't panel, doesn't he? Well, he should. If he can, he should. Um, Kyle would never give that up because Kyle understands the 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 um, power, the, the the power that happens through, uh, that connects the brain and the fingers. You know, yeah. he, he is in total control of that show, and no one's going to get close to paneling it like he does. No. Um, he's you know. a freaking maestro. Yeah, no, he's extraordinary.
1: When he when he, when he, when he, I've watched him a few times. It, it's, but you know what that is? That is three hours a day for twenty years, and it's it's subconscious. For him.
2: It, it is, but he also. Yeah, and he's uh, he's a he's a technician. He loves the craft. Yeah, um, and you can you can really hear it and see it, and and you know particularly in the studio when he's behind the desk, um, amazing. And I think if you've got that skill, um, it's one that one that you should do. I mean, hey, it's been a few years now for you, hasn't it? How many years? Uh, since I
1: panelled, I think <laughs> I think I, pa- I tried one. Sh- I tried one panel shift. Uh, I tried paneling one. Half hour of the breakfast show when you asked me to come and fill in for Kyle. Yep. And about by about six thirty, DB walked in and said, "Mate, mate, just 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 jump back (laughs) around the other side, mate. Jump back around the other side. I need you concentrating." Yep. And uh, from then it was okay. You, one thing that you've done and you you grew in your career once you came off air was um, very very much about talent acquisition and talent management and and nurturing talent. Mm. What
2: What do you look for? Uh, What do I look for? uh, well, that's a combination of things. I mean, at the heart of it, and the, this podcast series that I'm doing at the moment, um, you know, when you sit down with people and, and they have a... I mean, the thing that I love about it, the thing that I love about really good talent is that I couldn't possibly do what they do. So it, it comes from total 100% respect. I think, you know, I listen to a Chrissy Swan or an Eddie Maguire or a Mick Malloy and go, oh, wow, how does that... They just... So I'm, I'm actually – and I think I've always had it. As a young kid, I listened to the radio and I, I, you know, I'm a bit stumbly and bumbly and I'd like to be better but I'm just not quite at that level uh, and nowhere near that level. So I'm, it's, it's, I'm in awe of people that can do it. And um, I think I'm, I just listen for that ability to be able to construct um, a turn of phrase, a story, in an effortless way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. Chrissy. When we spoke to her on Game Changers, um, she said, look, I I was always interested in advertising. Um, I wanted to work in an advertising agency. Now, nine times out of ten, most performers would say, the next point would be, "I, I, I was interested in advertising because I like writing. Chrissy said without even thinking, I was interested in advertising because I grew up watching Bewitched. And I loved the way, and Darren worked in an advertising agency, and I loved the way his boss always used to give him shit when, you know, he, every idea was a bad idea. And it just, and I'm going, that's, that's. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful, so it's the turn of fr- the response the end result is the same, but it's the response yeah and and it's the creation of that um, of that idea that then just go oh, okay, that's now I'm totally into this story versus you know the easy way out is just to go now she hasn't deliberately gone, well, how do i it just flowed naturally it's just it's a part of yeah. who she is and I think um in good programming as in can I help you get better at what you do is Absolutely overrated, <laughs> no question. You, if you can, if you're a great storyteller, you're a great storyteller. You know, and you would have seen with James Brayshaw up close. James had no idea he was a good storyteller. He had to be, re, you know, reminded and put front and center and encouraged. But we didn't help him get better at storytelling. We just we just shone a light on it when he did it well. Yeah. And and reinforced it when he did it well. So, the best thing that I do, I think, the best skill that I bring, and the and the best. Um, contribution I can make to anyone's um, career is just trying to identify the things they do well. That, that's what I do. That's what I like doing. That's how I respond best. You know, when Jeff Ellis said to me in 1998, I think you can be a programmer and I'm going to support you and help you get there. Uh, it was it was the turning point for me in my life and it's the thing that I love doing most. So when I see you come to Adelaide in 1999 and stay for three months and go on and do all of these amazing things, I just I go, wow, that's awesome, you know? It's <laughs> so fucking yes. And, you know, when I see an Adrian Bryan, and I know you had a couple of months with Adrian, I mean, Adrian Bryan's story is extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, he's a kid. He's not a kid anymore. He's a grown man with, a, um, you know, and he's going to be an incredible He is already a very good content director on the way to being great. Um, He's a kid, this skinny kid with, you know, curly hair, looked like Beaker out of the bloody uh, um, Sesame Muppet Show, and comes into SAFM from Wyala. I think Alexis had brought him down, did some panelling, just this quiet kid that didn't really know what he wanted, and we put him on Late Nights, and and he asked for an air check, and I would give him one. And then the next day, you'd hear him on the air and go, "Wow, he he he's doing exactly what I asked him to do." And he would get better and better and better and better. And and he has designed a life and a career for himself. And every time you put him into a scenario where he uh, um, he, he needs to step up, um, he he's found a way. And that to me is. And I know it sounds a bit wishy-washy, but that's the stuff. That's the only stuff that matters for me. I just love seeing that. So you know, whether it's on air or off air, I, I, that, that's the thing that, that I, you know. I'll, that's the thing that really drives me.
1: Who's the on-air talent that you feel most proud of? I'm talking career arc. Who nobody knew, and then you went oh, this woman, this man.
2: Um. Wow, <laughs> that's such a great question. Uh,
1: do 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 do. Well, give me some. I don't want you to single anybody out. There. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
2: I mean, I think there would be. I mean, I well, I Em Rusciano, Em Rusciano would be in in someone that um, I heard her on Nova Adelaide when she came out of Idol, mm. uh, and I said, this girl's definitely got something. And we sent her to Perth. And and look, she struggled in breakfast. She needs her own um, platform, and she needs to be doing things her way, and that's her style. But I, I knew from the moment I heard her that she was extraordinary. Um, Jules Lund, I mean, Jules Lund would be the one where I think where I, I met him, and just knew there was an X factor. And Jules has had some terrific success on on radio, and, and then obviously Two Day didn't work out. But but in terms of a career and as a, 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 a as a person. I looked at him and thought wow this guy's just got so much um uh, so he he would be he'd be up there I mean I'd put you into that same list I, I mean I don't try and you know I made a huge mistake and probably end up in a headline somewhere one of the worst things I did was um you know I was around the fox when Hamish and Andy started and and I was involved in air checks and certainly helped Hamish in the early stages but to my great regret um I, I claimed more than I should have with them. I just was stupid with it, really. More, I, I did it out of – well, I did it because I was, you know, it was pride and all of those sorts of things that aren't really useful. But, um, yeah, I took credit where credit wasn't due. Um, uh, and so I'm really mindful of my, – my personal view is that uh, anyone that has any degree of success I think is going to get there anyway – And sometimes they need a little bit of a push. And if if I'm that person, fantastic. I I don't think I've taken anyone and turned them into something that they weren't already going to be. I think I may have just been a supporter, you know? Like, you you know, we still talk 17, 18 years down the track and you can always call me and, you know, whether you're on the air or whether you're not working with us or whether you're doing TV and, you know, I can do the same with lots of people and that to me is more – I don't know. There's a point where technique (laughs) is is at a level where I can't help you anymore – you know you, you're on your, you're on your way and and that that's how I sort of see it
1: You certainly sound like because you've mentioned it a few times you've mentioned that oh when I was you know young and silly or when I was full of myself when I was selfish when I was prideful uh. when did that change
2: what was well the... no no i'm'm I'm, I'm uh, uh look. Cause it uh, sounds like you've been doing some work. Oh, not really. No, I just I, I'm. I've got a fair sense of myself. There's good and bad parts, and um, I, you, you know I I've over the years have tried to certainly in the last 10, 15 years I try and surround myself with people who are going to um, help me. I'm not great on my own. I you know I, you know someone like a Sam Kavanagh and a um you know and a Dave Cameron and a Sam Cavanagh is Hamish and sorry,
1: producer. No know, no no, it's fine. Just explaining uh, to people uh, he uh, – Yeah, um, which is. That's a whole other story. That Sam and Jules and Hamish and Andy and they were all yeah. from the same yeah. program, the same youth yeah. camp. Yeah, Wild. it was
2: the degeneration of this generation. Absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. Jules came along and he brought Sam, and then Hamish and Andy and Whipper and Ryan Shelton and Monty and you know, it's a whole stack of them. Yeah. Um, and they're all they all view life in the same way. It's about abundance. We all get to win. No one loses. Um, how, how can we share in this versus that scarcity model of if i don 't get to keep all of it to myself then yeah so it, that was so I, I um you know i get uh, i take uh, i 'm an introvert by nature, but i I need to be around people that can just bring out my better self yeah. so I try and do that wherever i can um, you know and I think it just, its just it 's a better story to tell which is i wasn't i wasn 't particularly uh, um, I wasted lots of time and I try and you know, impart that onto people who are young coming through that you know, you know, it moves really quickly and try and make the most of it and and, um, and here's my story. I try and tell the story because I think it works better if I'm specific around you know, mistakes that I've made. I, wouldn't, I don't have regrets. I just look at it and go, oh, wow, that's, you know, I, could have, I could have been a <laughs> hundred things that could have worked out in a different way if I'd yeah. put in a bit more effort. Yeah. And so, and then it just, it's a constant reminder of effort. Yeah. You know, my, my, um, my, the way I work now is it's always about effort. I, I I always feel like I've had a better day if I've done more. And, um, and I, that's not, that's just right for me. It just makes me feel good. It's not necessarily right or wrong. That's just how it works for me. I prefer to feel like I've, I've really, you know, um, pushed myself um, and because I, I have to because there's that lazy Craig that sits oh. on the other shoulder that if I let him in... So I think there's a bit of that. You can't be lazy when you've got kids to feed. <laughs> exactly. There, you Where know. does fatherhood come into it? <laughs> well, you know... Um, about the selflessness is what I'm saying. Well, I mean you know, fatherhood teaches you to be selfless pretty well from from the yeah. day you start having children, as you would know. Um, it doesn't become about you anymore. I've
1: been a dad for a year and a half. Yeah. But she's twelve. Yeah. And, so. and you you know, your
2: your um you know, your attitude towards it's amazing. Trying and I know. Yeah. And look, it's hard. It's not, not none of it's easy. I mean, you just try and set a good example. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've travelled for the last 10 years. I've, I'm, I haven't been home, you know, essentially for three nights a week for 10 years. Um, I'm not an absent father, but, you know, that's been a challenge more for Karen, my wife, more so than anything else. But, um, but you know, so I'm home now. It's a different kind of, um, uh, it's a different sort of dynamic at home. Um, and, you know, I'm enjoying it.
1: Yeah. What you've got now,
2: is you have the possibility to do anything you want,
1: which is the part that really excites me. Cause this is the part that I get to ask you <laughs> about the future. I mean, you sure. and I are sitting, we started at a multi-million-dollar broadcast facility, yeah. which was at the time, the only thing that you could possibly have to replicate the kind of thing that you and I are doing right now yeah. with about 1,100 bucks worth of equipment, yeah, yeah. equipment.
2: Where do you see it going? I'm not sure yet. I don't know. Model. I, um, it's, you know, when you come out of the job I was in, you, you know, it's probably not a good idea to go and make a five-year plan, so I don't have one, and, <laughs> and um, what, I, what I'm doing is, what I've done, best piece of advice I had, uh, caught up with Jules London and Sam Kavanagh about a month after I finished, and Jules said to me, start writing, start writing. And I've always liked writing and so um, I captured a whole heap of content that I already had from the four or five years that I was in the role and then just started documenting what I know and you know, what, and, and I just had this period, maybe three or four months, where it flowed really nicely. So that was important to uh, I'm reading somewhere where um, a guy called Peter Drucker, who's a famous management expert, talks about um, people learn by... Reading by listening or by writing, and, and it's, it tends to be one or the other, uh, or speaking. And for me, it, I, 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 re- I learn by writing. And I know it to be true because when I was on the air, I would write everything down. <laughs> you know, I would have everything from, hi, this is Craig Bruce on B105 and you've got the best music from blah, blah, th- through to the last thing I was going to say. I had it written. I wouldn't necessarily say it word for word, but I, I wrote it because it formed uh, the structure in my head, um, so the writing ha- has been really important for me just to, just to, um, capture what I know and then to try and make sense of, okay, well, what, what could that look like and how could that be helpful or useful moving forward? So, you know, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm helping out, um, New Zealand, uh, NZME, um, which is the, the, um media company over there and they're doing some great work and uh, New Zealand Radio is awesome, um, really creative, really, really interesting um, uh, and really competitive. Um, I've got a couple of other um, international markets that I'm really close to sort of locking in. Uh, you know, I've talked about talent management. I'm not sure if I'm I, – I, I don't like talent management as a, as an idea. Um, I don't like – I like the idea of being able to help someone. I'm just not sure of what that um, value looks like. Yeah, I don't know whether I feel comfortable taking anyone's money. It just <laughs> doesn't feel right. And that's, um, but anyway, I'm, I'm interested in that and what that might look like. Um, and then I'm just sort of putting one foot in front of the other. I mean, doing this, I spoke to Media Week today, um, and this is sort of, okay, well, I'm just going to put myself out there for the Game Changers podcast. This stuff is really uncomfortable. It's not stuff that I like doing. I'm happy to talk as a corporate guy about a radio station, but but I know that some of this I have to do to present myself, you know, I've got to be Mm. out there. Yeah. And, and, you know, even when I do an article, it's like, Oh, I just, I don't like being judged.
1: (laughs) But if you're scared before you hit go, then it's good. It's probably a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
2: And, um, so, that, that, so that's where, I mean, I don't know what it will end up looking like yeah. and I'm okay with that. I, it ebbs and flows. Trust me, I have days where I go, I just, wanna, I just want my old job back. I just want to go into a radio station and hang around with really fun people and do some really interesting work and, and that'll be enough for me. But that's the sort of the small, weaker side of me not, not pushing through, you know, yeah. and not going, come on, there's a bit of pain here, but let's just see if you can um, see if there's anything else interesting happening. So, you know, I've just gotta try and sit inside that and not, you know, give up too easily.
1: You started uh in this job of radio at a time when vinyl was still a big part of album sales. Physical units were a part of album sales. <laughs> That's frank keeping we're very safe. We're being protected by a mighty warrior. You're three stories up, mate. Yeah, I know. Um You were in radio the whole time it had a, had a front row seat to watching the music industry change underneath, yeah, yeah. underneath you and all that money uh, just disappear out of their hands. Mm. Now we're seeing broadcasting itself change completely. Yep. Yeah. Where do you see it going? Where do you, where do you, what are your thoughts as to what's going to happen? Like I think about interesting, you know, here's an interesting scenario. Say it's like four years from now, right? And all of the biggest talent, breakfast talent in the country's contracts are up. Yep. By that stage, mobile broadband speeds are double what they are now. Yep. Following Moore's law is completely feasible. Yep. What if those people were independent? Yeah, sure. You know, Howard Stern style. Yep. Like, that's a feasible that, – that's a completely feasible, uh, you know,
2: What I, What I've found now that I'm not working, you know, however many hours a week and, and I have time on my hands is that um, – you know, radio better be good moving forward. You know, um, whatever you do, it better be really good because there's incredibly good audio content um, in the world. And and I, um, I'm, I'm listening to podcasts, not because I'm making one, but, but I've I found, you know, from the Radio Lab to the New Yorker Radio Hour to Alec Baldwin, I've, I've found content that I'm thinking, wow, this is just so good. And I, I listen to it when I want. Uh, you know, if I'm going out for a walk, I'll grab 45 minutes. It, it, I, I, I feel better about myself by the end of it because I've learned something. <clears throat> the production... The production on these podcasts is extraordinary. And I know there's lots of people working on them, but we can learn or thing, a thing or two. If you, there's one thing you do after this podcast, go and listen to Radio Lab and listen to the way they produce radio. I mean, it is just a work of art. It truly is. <coughs> the way they edit the, the, the voices and the way that it's just superb. I mean, it, it, so I listen as much for, wow, that's just a brilliant piece. Sonically, it's just a brilliant piece of storytelling. The
1: way they... The way that. He asked the question and the end of the question is the
2: other person's voice oh, answering the question. I know. It's extraordinary. It's so it, yeah, yeah. captivating. Yeah, it is. Totally. We can learn so much even just in from yeah. – and I've sent, you know, links to friends going, guys, just go and have a listen to some of this stuff and go and be inspired by it. Yeah. Um, Which is well, – I mean,
1: you know, I'm back in the radio, <laughs> survey, radio survey world. You know, we've just had our second book. Yep. We've gone up again. Mm. Very happy. Yeah. we 0.8 behind Nova. Yep. It's going to happen, Craig.
2: I think you've got momentum. I really think I'm it's going to be... Yeah, it's going to be a very good year for you.
1: Um, thank you. But we are no longer just competing with the Brisbane market. No. Anyone that's got a smartphone plugged into their car, we're competing with the best in yep. the world. Yep, yep. For free, they're available, yeah, yeah, and that, that's a hell of a benchmark. Yeah,
2: it is a benchmark, and as long as you understand that, that's what's happening. That the landscape is not just Ash Kip and Lutze and and Robin Bailey across the road and the Triple M guys. As long as you understand, you just need to be really good. You need to, um, you need to bring your best work every day. There's no There's no 6:40 break that is hidden away because we hadn't thought about it enough. And um, and thankfully, Australian radio is still. A world leader in quality radio content. I, I think, you know, there's there's very few markets as good as Australia, and that's about resources and 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 an investment in people and marketing and and all of the things that matter most. And long may that reign. Um, and and good people want to work in the industry. You know, that's really important too. Um, but God, we better be good moving forward because there's just so much really interesting content, um, content that. And, look, I'm 49, so I'm going to pick content that's different to... Uh, I don't have to listen to a pop radio breakfast show unless, I, mm-hmm. unless I'm working, essentially. And and if I'm not working, I'm going to listen to something that's going to, you know, um, help me get better as a person or yeah. something that I... You know, some really good storytelling. like I
1: can, oh, which, and you would see this with your kids. I've never seen Gigi turn on the
2: radio. <laughs> no, it's scary. And I, I've never uh, seen yeah. Gigi watch live TV. Yeah, no, it, it's an interesting one when you actually watch... Um, that generation news media, YouTube or Spotify. Man, it. It, it's pretty scary, and and, and and it's um it's scary and it's it's exciting, but it can't be about it can't be there is no scarcity model um, for radio anymore. You know, if you want to hear your favorite song, you've got it at about four hundred different places. You can find it on your phone. So the idea of once every three hours on rotation, you've got to go to the radio to find that. song. you know, clearly that's those years are gone. It has to be about the content. Um, and, you know, you've got three really good companies in Australia, FM companies that still um, understand that. So that's good, you know, that that's good.
1: Is it a case of going to where she's going to be?
2: I don't know. Where is she going to be? I mean, my kids, when they're listening to the radio, they, they just surf between the talk. Stop talking, play a song. My, my, my 14-year-old's favourite radio station would be one where there are no announcers. Smooth FM. Uh, uh, well... well <laughs> um, The and it's not personal. She just doesn't want to hear you speak. Just breakfast, mornings, afternoons, and drive. Stop, stop talking. Play me a song, and 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 now, hey, survey of one, but um, but I yeah. So it's it's you know you're gonna have to be really good. (laughs) You are, but you know when you hear amazing communicators that can bring you into their worlds like you know i've spoken to over the last couple of weeks with game changers and you go yeah there's still a space for us no question but um, we've just got to keep looking for those people that we can bring through it's a very exciting time it's a terrifying time mm. because
1: why would i give you a hundred thousand dollars to play on a radio campaign that might hit my target audience where yep. I can take that $100,000 and hit the exact suburb yep. that my shop is in yep. in the exact demo yep. on Facebook. Yeah, and know, so what we have to bring has got to be of such value now. It's yep. got to be, you know, and, and the role we play in you know, the, the, the sales part of it as well is, is shifting. Absolutely. You know? And so it's that's also a very fascinating time and exciting time of, yeah. of integration and, you know, um, but... You know, don't get me wrong, man. I'm uh, I'm foraying into digital broadcasting because <laughs> if the hammer falls, I want to be ready. You want
2: to be ready to shimmy. Is it called shimmy? It's called uh, pivoting. A pivot, pivot mate. They, pivot, yeah, pivot, pivot. Move. <laughs> Something else is coming.
1: That's the key, though. Yeah, you know, of
2: course. You, you've got to be. Audrey's
1: always up he's like, Why do you do five jobs? Because like, <laughs> I, I was unemployed once, and I was once yeah. only doing one job. And when you only do in media, if you only
2: have one job, you're at the whim. Of an industry's uh, hello, yeah. You've just spoken to a a bloke for an hour about that idea. (laughs) It's pretty scary. I have no. I have. I have deep faith in you. (laughs) I do. I'll be back.
1: I know, man. I see you as the.
2: I see you as the CEO of something interesting. No, I'm not a CEO. I don't want to be a CEO. I'm not interested. I'm. I'm. I like working with content and creatives, and I don't want to do numbers. Rather, I mean, a CEO is not all about numbers, but. No, that's not my
1: Some startup's going to call you up, offer <laughs> you equity you can't say no to.
2: <laughs>
1: we'll see. <laughs> um, all right, that's the dog. Final question. Uh, a 12 year old girl is about to walk through that door. Yeah, good. She's about to turn 13. What do I need to know, Craig? <sighs>
2: What do you need to know? There's a point where she's not going to find you interesting or um, she's going to think that you're really um, daggy, regardless of whether you're on TV or whether you wear a beanie and have got really cool jeans or, or whatever. So there will be a point in the next couple of years where she, where the further you can be away from her will make her happy. Um and I mean that in the nicest possible. You know, my middle child, Meg, who's 15, who is, you know, just the apple of my eye, and I love her to death. But she's 15, and she just she's got her own thing going on, and sometimes. So all I'm saying is enjoy. If if she wants to come and sit next to you on the TV and, and put her hand on your in your hand and give you a cuddle, <coughs> make most of it make because it doesn't last forever. And what about boys? And if it does last forever, that's all. Oh, boys is a whole other podcast, mate. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, no, boys are well, yeah. Boys is just another really interesting challenge for you. All
1: right, we'll do that in part two. Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) I've got to let you go. Thank you. I can't thank you enough, mate. No worries, mate. I'm hoping it went okay for you. Mate, it's amazing. I'm just going
1: to quickly take your photo.
2: Oh, cool. Yeah, sweet. Okay.
1: That was Craig Bruce. You can find him on Twitter at CB underscore Bruce. And uh, listen to his podcast, radiogamechangers.com, where Craig, he has access to the biggest biggest names in broadcasting in this country, and he sits down and has a chat with them about the very nature of our business, which is fascinating if you're a listener and you want to hear a bit more about the goings-on behind the mic, but also fascinating if you're in the industry and you want to hear some uh, wisdom from some long-time players, Uh, he's a He's a hell of a guy. Thank you very much to everybody that supports the show. Patreon.com slash Osher. P-A-T-R-E-O-N slash. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Osher is where you go. Uh, I've, got to, uh, I've got to go. I've got to get on my bike because the Logies is in a week. And I want to be able to fit my suit because I've been emotionally eating. Yes, I have. <laughs> but look, shit. If that's the worst symptom of what's going on in my life right now i'll take it (laughs) i'll take just drink a box of biscuits by myself over reacting in any other way to the stress that's going on in my life right now so that's what's going to happen thank you so much for listening thank you very very much uh to andy who produces episode Uh, if you like the show please let somebody know and um in the meantime look after yourself uh, sleep well and dream of beautiful things